<laughs> okay. Okay. Do you want to sing? Uh, no, I won't do the first one. I'll do the first. It's a cold fall night, and I'm sitting around a campfire with some friends. We're passing around a bottle of bourbon. We have a five-gallon bucket for a drum, and printed booklets containing sea shanties, because this is a shanty sing. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. I wish I was a landsman aboard a man of war. Sam's gone away aboard a man of war. I wish I was a sailor aboard a man of war. Sam's gone away aboard a man of war. Fetchy work, brave boys, fetchy work, I say. Sam's gone away aboard a man of war. I wish I was a cookie aboard a man of war. That's me now. I love getting together and singing. I host a bluegrass jam. I play mandolin and guitar. There is joy in singing together. In college, I was in a band. It was a turn the amps up real loud and emotionally scream kind of band. I was 18. We worked hard. We played hard. We wanted to make it. But at the end of college, we broke up. Tale as old as time. I honestly can't remember the reason why, but I remember how I felt. Confused. The thing I was so passionate about blew up in my face. A couple years went by, and one of my old bandmates went on to be very successful in music. While I was in Nashville painting houses and eating ramen noodles out of thrift store Tupperware on my thrift store couch. There was no music in my life, because now it was tainted. It felt like anxiety, trauma, and a whole lot of work. Which was sad, because I could still remember what it was like when a whole crowd of people was shouting out the same song together. I missed that connection. But Nashville, in a strange way, gave it back to me. I'm Jacob Lewis, and from Nashville Public Radio, you're listening to Neighbors, a show about what connects us. This episode is a little different than what I normally do. It's about my musical recovery. I'm going to take you along a journey to some experiences that helped me overcome my own musical cynicism. Now, you've already heard the healing camaraderie of singing sea shanties, but we're going much, much further. Today, we're going to explore an Irish session, an Indian jam in a Mexican restaurant, a thing called beer and hymns, sacred harp singing, and a Jewish Shabbat service. And to start, I'm going to take you to a place in Nashville that was, and is, paramount to my musical recovery. It's in a neighborhood called Donaldson in a building that used to be an old funeral home. It's my 30th birthday, and I'm at McNamara's Irish Pub with 19 other friends. So the guy singing here is Sean McNamara, the owner of the pub. He plays music every week with his band Nosy Flynn. The crowded room slams their pints, claps, yells, sings at the appropriate times. There's a rhythm to the evening, like a religious service. Each night, there are three music sets. The first one always starts off with a song by the Celtic punk band, The Pogues, called Dirty Old Town. I met my love by the, gasworks wall. the second starts to have more songs that require audience participation. That was me, so What's he got? And the third, that's a wild card, depending on how much booze the audience has had and the general mood of the band. 
In this Garden of Eden, I've had strangers buy me drinks. I've seen an entire long banquet table of Irish step dancers spontaneously get up and take over all available floor space. I recently went on a night where everyone was in kilts and blue face paint. The hostess informed me I had shown up on Braveheart night. This is a place where I don't just observe, I participate. And that idea is taken one step further once a month. On a Tuesday night, there is what is called an Irish session. It's like a jam where everyone plays very specific melodies. This one has some pretty amazing players. People show up with fiddles, mandolins, and whistles. Sean, the owner of the pub, gives the group one of those big bottles of Jameson. Not the little one, the really big one. He sets it down on a coffee table in a cleared-out corner of the restaurant, and people circle round. I sit down right in the middle of the session circle. Thanks to everybody for letting me crash your party. Hey, hey. This is a delight. I'm excited to be sitting right here. We'll start off with some jigs, which are in 6-8 time. And after we're done with those, then we'll play the death metal. This is Bill Verdeer leading the session on the fiddle. He hosts a Celtic music radio show on WXNA and has been playing Irish fiddle for a few decades. He says that there are three main Irish tune types. A jig, which you are hearing now in 6-8 time. A reel, which is in 4-4 time. And a hornpipe, which is also in 4-4, but has a syncopated rhythm and emphasizes the first and third beat. All of these tune types have something in common. They serve a specific function. There's another fiddle player a few seats down named Gerard. He came tonight all the way from Kentucky because he loves why these tunes exist. Well, the great thing about Irish music is that it's all dance music. All this traditional music is all dance music. You know, you have the reels and the jigs and the hornpipes, all for dancing. And forever, I wanted to find a style of music that was uplifting, you know, people consider it happy, um, jubilant. And Irish music sat with me and it stuck with me. <laughs> I also love how these tunes drift in and out of each other. In such a traditional form of music, there seems to be no concern about being original, which is different than my experience in a band. We had to be new, somehow stand out. It was exhausting. Here, I'm a part of a style that was before me and will be after me. There's a freedom in that. Uh, could you hand me a little glass? If I'm here. Might as well. Get into the spirit there. As long as I'm working, you know. That's right. Only when you're working. Thank you. Another part of my musical background is wrapped up in religion. I grew up playing music in church. In high school, it was an emotional experience for me, and I felt the freedom to express myself through the music. But after high school, I started to feel disingenuous about the music I was making in church. 
like it was a performance and not an authentic expression of my soul. Like I was working a crowd in the name of Jesus. This is my story. Now, I still have faith, go to church, but when I'm there, certain songs and certain actions just bring back that old, gross, disingenuous feeling. I honestly wish I was past it because I'm a pretty expressive guy, just ask my wife. So for now, instead, I look for places like the pub where I feel free to clap, raise my hands, and just go for it. Which is a similar impulse that led Ellie Flyer to start a Shabbat sing. This is a night of eating and singing together. Ellie started it with two of her friends. We wanted to go to one, so we made it happen. We noticed that there was a trend that young people, people in the 20s and 30s, loved the kind of Jewish experience and music they had at Jewish camp growing up, but didn't want the commitment of uh, belonging to a synagogue. Um, And so we wanted to create the space where people could come, enjoy each other's company, have a great meal, and sing. Shabbat is Hebrew for Sabbath. It's observed from Friday at sundown until Saturday sundown. We're at someone's house, and there's food and wine, which are both blessed with song. The leader of the music tonight starts everyone off with a nagun, which is a wordless song. She says, to warm up the heart. And in more traditional observant circles, there are uh, worshipers who will sing one nagun, one melody, for an hour, and really build up sort of like a whirling dervish to this sort of height of, of being ready for There's a basic set structure to the service, but can have a number of different songs. At one point during singing, everyone bows to the door to welcome in the Sabbath, which they refer to as a bride. These ritual forms give people space. Space to rest after a long week, space to grieve, space for celebration, communal space. I remember a couple years ago, I did a story about a family whose son died. They decided to prepare the body themselves in their own home. They built his casket, processed it to the graveyard, and dug his grave. I bring it up because often in American culture, there is not a lot of room for a community to acknowledge extreme feelings of sorrow and joy. Communities with tradition provide well-worn grooves of the human experience to slide into. They provide an opportunity to learn how to celebrate, learn how to lament, and do so together, following those who have gone before us. Here's another one of the founders of the Shabbat Singh, Sarah Modis. Makes me feel part of the community. Um, it makes me feel like everybody's coming together and singing as one voice. And I really enjoy hearing all the instruments that are part of it. People just bring their instruments and play. I've played my flute before. Um, and so we just kind of do what feels right to us and it, whatever. It just ends up sounding good every single time. So. I was really surprised by what I found at this next place. One thing I remember about being in a band was the power. 
Like having a turned up PA with a little reverb on the voice, so every noise I made had a longer effect. My guitar echoed out into the room. The kick drum and bass were behind me, supporting me. It was a powerful feeling. But I couldn't believe that power could be created using only human voices. From the first note, uh, it was a different kind of music. Struck a chord in my heart, and it just kept vibrating and getting louder and louder till I couldn't hear anything else. That's Susan Sharonis. She drove up to Nashville from Cloudland, Georgia, to sing today because it's the Tennessee State Convention for Sacred Harp Singing. She's sitting around what is known as the Hollow Square, an empty section where one person directs the entire group, which is divided into four sections, all facing each other. You have the sopranos, or trebles as they call them, altos, tenors, and bass. They sing out fa's, so's, and laws, and the occasional me. Someone will start the song with a pitch, and it begins. The seating arrangement doesn't even take into consideration an audience. It's a style of music where everyone is an assumed participant. And in that configuration, you feel like you're just swimming in noise. In fact, it's so loud that most of my recordings distorted. So to give you another example, here's the Alabama Sacred Harp singers singing the song numbered 186. There's just something about that feeling of sound reverberating in a room, voices blending. It's a feeling of connection and of support. Every other type of music just pales now in comparison. This is a robust music that is written to be sung, and it's exhilarating to sing it, and uh, soul-thrilling. And um, not only is the music uh, wonderful and uplifting, but uh, the friendships that you form around the Hollow Square are supreme. They are, uh, it's wonderful to connect with people from all walks of life, all uh, types of people. We bring nothing to the square that might divide us. So when we're around that square, we're not our political party or our church denomination. We're altos, tenors, trebles, and basses, and we're there to work together and to sing. Okay, so I'm on my way to this Indian music jam slash show. Uh, in my car, and uh, it's just kind of funny that Sunday, it's Sunday, it's about 4.30, and um, on the radio is Bill Vidir's show um, with Irish music, the guy that was at the Irish session. What are the chances? All right, let's go listen to some more music, this time um, much different than this. Well, I have no idea. Let's see. We'll get to the next stop after the break. So it turns out I was very right. I have no idea what I'm in for. I'm in South Nashville in a Mexican restaurant called Las Fajitas, which is Spanish for the fajitas. So nothing says Indian music quite like a Mexican restaurant. Why Why here? So um, a couple of points, actually. So... Um, we are kind of a multicultural band who started this off. So I'm an Indian. Our drummer Billy is a Puerto Rican Mexican, and um, uh, the guitarist uh, Kazan is an American. 
This is a Darsh Bushan. He chose this place because it's a family-friendly venue where kids could run around. Because he wants this thing to be welcoming for the entire international community in Nashville. His multicultural band is called Strange Curry. And this event they're hosting is called Tal. T-A-A-L. Which literally means beat. It's a Hindi word for beat. Darsh has this night split into two parts. The first is where he lets different people in the Indian and international communities in Nashville have an opportunity to play their music on stage. I've never performed with a band before in Nashville specifically because you have, you don't that, get that much opportunity to play with a uh, you know, like band over here because that's a shortage for the Indian community. There's an episode of Simpsons on the TV next to the bar and Letta, who you just heard, gets on stage. In a lot of ways, this feels just like any other open mic around town. You know, minus the Indian music. But what I think is unique about Tal is it subverts the clickiness of Nashville. I learned that it's hard for the international community to get in on the music scene. So Adarsh is creating a space for people to share their talent. He works with people like Letta to give performing a try and see what it's like. So that they can start off, um, you know, in a comfortable environment and God forbid if somebody gets enough confidence and boost and they go on doing great stuff, I'm, I'm all onto it. Why just keep it between Indians, right? I mean, just let it be out, right? The next guy to get up is a guy named Paul. He's only been playing the guitar for six months. So, let me try. Adarsh recognizing a need and creating space for it, I think will have some really amazing consequences. And I love that he's giving people the opportunity to feel uncomfortable, to experience that awkward first encounter with the stage. A 14-year-old named Tadir is getting ready to play the cello. You, you look a little nervous. Are you nervous? Yeah, I mean, everybody's nervous before a performance. Come on, guys, give him a hand. There's a great essay that was written for NPR's This I Believe series back in 2008. It's by Brian Eno. He's a world-famous ambient musician who's produced artists like The Talking Heads, David Bowie, U2. In the essay, he says that he believes in singing together so much that he started his own weekly gathering in his apartment. He goes on to say, and I quote, There are what I would call civilizational benefits. When you sing with a group of people, you learn how to subsume yourself into a group consciousness because a cappella singing is all about the immersion of the self into the community. That's one of the great feelings, to stop being me for a little while and to become us. That way lies empathy, the great social virtue. Okay, so we just have one last stop real quick. We're going to Mercy Lounge in Nashville. There are about 500 people there. It's a big venue in town and there is a bagpipe being played.
That's because this is beer and hymns. Well, it usually is. It's usually a time where people drink beer and sing old Christian hymns of the faith. This is something I think Garrison Keillor would be really into. But tonight, it's beer and carols. For me, I'm glad I could recover parts of what I love about making music together. And I love seeing how new elements of my passion emerge, like sound production, storytelling, sea shanties. I did not see that one coming. And it's great to know that I'm not the only one who loves to get together and just sing. Happy holidays, everyone. Neighbors is from Nashville Public Radio and produced by me, Jacob Lewis. This story was edited by Mac Linebaugh and Anita Bug. Special thanks to Caleb Shiver for helping me report about the Sacred Harp Singers, Cooper Breeden for hosting the Shanty Sing, the Modises for opening their home to me for the Shabbat service, Jeff Little, founder of Beer and Hymns, for sharing some of his recordings with me, and Adarsh for answering all the questions I had. Just a reminder that you can now get a really cool and really comfortable Neighbors t-shirt or a sturdy pint glass at NeighborsPodcast.com. I'm Jacob Lewis, and I'm reminding you to get to know your neighbors. Neighbors.